Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. Today, we'll be reviewing the long-rumored and even more longly asked for Zack Snyder's Justice League, a.k.a. hashtag the Snyder Cuts. And we are joined with uh, a really wonderful panel of people who are very excited to talk about this movie, uh, excited to talk about Zack Snyder's version of this movie, excited to talk about just a DC movie. I think we've got a really great panel here for you today. So joining us again from Geek Girl Features is Chelsea Ratterman, who joined us on our Wonder Woman 1984 podcast most recently. Chelsea, welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Thanks for having me. Super excited to talk Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League, to be precise. Correct. And we're also uh, very excited to be rejoined for the first time in a long while. Right. I get to have Daniel Bokemper. He is a contributor here at the Cinematropolis. He's written many essays, been on many podcasts. Daniel Bokemper, welcome back to the Cinemax. Yeah, Spanish. happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Your voice when you said hello uh, oh. sounded <laughs> vaguely like you were trying to do a Ben Affleck Batman impression there. That's what I'm going to do for the duration of this podcast. And lastly, I am super excited to be uh, rejoined by uh, Bobby Griffith, uh, who I would call a uh, DC aficionado. Uh, he is also uh, very well versed and knowledgeable about uh, all things DC comics. Uh, for those of you who have been longtime listeners, he joined us uh, for an, an animated discussion, uh, another podcast I do that was a, in collaboration with the Cinematropolis over at Tower Theater, where we talked about Batman Mask of the Phantasm a couple years ago. Also wrote some really awesome personal uh, Star Trek essay for us back in the day. Bobby Griffith, welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Hello. I, I do a terrible Affleck Batman, so I'll just use my normal voice. Can anyone do a Will Arnett Batman? Is this, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I Bale Batman might be the... the... What if you do Bale Batman? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is an audio media. You couldn't, they couldn't see, but I was trying to hang the tongue out of my mouth the whole time. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we jump into the the review and analysis of the film, I do want to remind you that if you enjoy the conversation we have today to please rate, review and subscribe uh, to the Cinematic Schematic on your preferred podcast app. That's the best way you can support the show at this time. Now, a couple of quick disclaimers about what we will and will not be talking about today, because uh, the Internet's been a buzz about the Snyder Cut for many years now. And it's become a very complex conversation anytime I feel like I want to talk about this. Like, I like this, but dot, 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 or this is interesting, however, dot, 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 or I wish I could like this, but those people, dot, dot, dot. So here's what we're not going to talk about today. We are not going to talk about toxicity in online fandoms. One day I would like to talk about this, but not right now. Though, I just want to point out, insulting people who disagree with you on the internet it's pretty unacceptable. Don't do it. Just be nice. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. My mom always said that. My grandma said that. I hope that we kind of try to do that in our real life. Do it on the internet as well. Even if they don't like the movie that you really care a lot about. Uh, we are not going to be talking about any of the behind the scenes drama related to Joss Whedon during the reshoots. Why? Because none of us were there. All I can say is, from what it sounds like, he did not run his set like a very good director. I don't know that. But it seems like a lot of members of his cast had a lot of issues they had to take to HR. So not good. Lastly, we are not going to talk too much about the Zack Snyder family trauma. Although, as you can see, when the credits roll, 
Uh, this film was you know, forged of a, a great loss to the Snyder family and our condolences to him and his family. Uh, and again, we are very supportive of any sort of suicide prevention uh, fundraising opportunity that is out there that I think was actually being promoted alongside this film. What we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about how the Zack Snyder version of this movie holds up on its own as a film. We're going to talk about how it is both similar and different from the 2017 theatrical cut. We're going to talk about what works and doesn't work about this new release. And then we're also going to touch on what we'd like to see happen in the DCEU next. So that is a lot of disclaimers. Well, with all that said, let's go ahead and jump into our review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. IMDb, Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. That sounds pretty epic. Sounds pretty epic. Uh, so very quickly, and I, I want to I get to the film our actual thoughts on the film, but I do think it would be beneficial to listeners to get a sense of where our biases are and our interests lie in relation, in relation to the uh, DCEU. Uh, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with that term, it's the DC extended universe because they couldn't have the cinematic universe because DCCU is confusing and the Marvel cinematic universe already has the MCU. So more acronyms, different acronyms. We're going to have different acronyms here. Uh, so Chelsea, uh, very quickly, what do you think of the DCEU on the whole? And in particular, as it relates to Zack Snyder's version of these characters. So I'm definitely going to like preface with a disclaimer of, I have not engaged with the comic books. I am purely a like cinema fan here. So I definitely don't have that angle whenever I come in and talk about these movies. Um, and I'm really just a fan. Like, I just love movies. And so I'm always really excited to see anything like this massive scale brought brought to the screen. Um, I really enjoy the Snyderverse or the, the DCEU. I mean, both of them in and of themselves, standing alone, whichever. But um, because they're, they're just so different from the other superhero films it's so different tonally and like intentionally from the marvel cinematic universe that i just love them like they're just so big and they're just a spectacle so 
I'm a fan. I love them. I love the characters. Um, love Gal. Gal's always my favorite um, for like crying every time Diana Prince comes on screen. So, and I definitely talk about that later on. Um, but we're not ever dealing with like really down to earth characters in the DCEU. And I think that that's where a lot of people's issues come to. We aren't ever really dealing with down to earth characters in the DCEU. And I think that's where a lot of people have the issues with these films as they're coming from Marvel to DC or vice versa. And they're looking for a similar experience and you're not going to get that. And I just really love the take on the characters. Okay. Okay. Well, we've got, uh, so we've got one pro, we've got one pro uh, DCEU. And I just want to know, I want you all to know, the reason I assembled this group was specifically so that we could have a very level-headed conversation because as I mentioned at the top, like most fandoms, things have gotten very charged and uh, polarized. So I appreciate Chelsea, you laying out a little bit of your history here, uh, as well as your opinion. I think that's really great. Uh, I'll turn it to you, Daniel. What do you think of Zack Snyder's uh, DC Universe, aka DCEU? So to parlay off Chelsea a little bit, I do have a a little bit of comic book background, but not nearly, I think, to the extent that it would 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 qualify me as a fan. I definitely like pick and choose you know, the things I like, I think we were talking the other day about like the long Halloween, Batman's long Halloween and, um, year one. I think I mentioned the, the, the red sun quite a bit too, for the, the Superman, uh, kind of alternate what if scenario. Um, so I'm and likewise, I don't think I'm too attached to the films either though. I realize I've seen almost all of, I don't know if that green lantern, uh, Ryan Reynolds film counts as a, okay. It does not, it does okay. not, it, it was supposed then, to, and then, they, and then it, and then it was that bad that they decided to pretend it didn't exist. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, so that, then I guess, uh, cause that one I have not seen, but, but most of them, except until very recently, the original, um, the 2017 version of justice league, I hadn't as well, um, at their face value, I think they come off as a little, just looking at them as a, as a whole, it, it's very clear, you know, they may be trying to imitate or, or capture the uh the the zeitgeist that the the marvel cinematic universe had um but that being said there are things about it i do like more than the marvel cinematic universe um and i think specifically and i really go back even though i did not like this film i think the uh, beginning of a uh, batman versus superman the dawn of justice like there's a there's a lot of a, a human element to that where oh there's individual people um and even the 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 original cut of the justice league film maybe in, in some ways tried to look at the actual human consequence of these 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 heroes existing and in order for them to defend this world at the same time they're they're destroying it and i i do think uh again you know uh, dawn of justice had at least at the start of the film um carried that with it to some extent i don't know if it, it executed that uh that uh that didactic very well i don't i don't believe it did but but i do think there's a bit more of a human element and while it is while these characters you know like the actual superheroes as a whole are a little less relatable than than a lot of the the marvel characters are um or at least how they're presented in films i do think there's still this like notion of consequence that's carried in the dc films that is actually better than marvel i think i think marvel doesn't doesn't really necessarily all the time go far enough and addressing the con- consequence of, of actions, at least as they relate to, you know, everyone 
who who has to to uh, live through these like mass scale basically these these it's like every time there's a superhero fight it's a it's a nuclear bomb going off basically so and while Marvel might allude to it a little bit I don't think they actually dig deep into that I but I I can at least say that with you know again these films I, I feel like there is that that uh, reconciliation of consequence that you don't see in other things so I kind of like them overall no I'm I'm probably not a big fan uh, but. But I do think they do something. I agree with Chelsea absolutely in that they do do something fundamentally different and I think important um, and perhaps more important than than a lot of the Marvel films do. All right. So we've got one pro, two pro. Yeah, Mo- two pro. Like pro, but You're- like if you ask me any individual film with the exception of the first. Middle Wonder of the ground. Movie, yeah, I think like the the first Wonder Woman film is like the one I actually like, I I, I really like. And then like everything, <laughs> like, and then like Man of Steel might be after that. And then every other like, like Snyder film or whatever, DC Extended Universe, whatever that acronym was <laughs> that I've promptly forgotten. Um, I, I think they're all kind of, eh, but they've got good parts to it. I mean, they've got, they've got something going on. I like Aquaman. No, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Bobby, uh, how about you? Birds of Prey. Oh, oh I forget. We Birds always forget about Birds of no, Prey. No, that film's great. Never mind. Uh, Wonder Woman, Birds of Prey. Birds, Birds of Prey, Prey. yeah. You and then Birds Man of, of Steel, grossly below that one. I just forget because it's so different. I'm when, like, and it came, when it came out like right before theaters shut down and we all forgot mm-hmm. movies existed for a year. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Bobby, uh, you, you seem uh, pretty fond of Birds of Prey. What, what have you thought of the, uh, the Zack Snyder universe films? It has been an interesting take for me. Um, I mean, I know that sounds super generic, but in terms of like differentiating it from the several Batman trilogies or the way Christopher Reeve took on Superman, these are closer to some of the the more darker elements in the in sort of the comic universe of DC, and so they lean heavier on just kind of like the dark side. That's a, that's a, that's an illusion. Um, <laughs> sorry, a really bad one. They lean more, not, not a star Wars one either. Uh, they leaned heavier on, on the darker end of the DC scale. Um, I know that we'll get into that further. It, and I think that the other thing that they capture by focusing on meta human and hopefully I'll get to talk about even how Batman fits into that. Um, it, it 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 they feel like we're we're they it's intentional that we can't relate to them they are other they are the modern day uh gods that that the the greeks and the romans celebrated this the sort of mythos of humans trying to grapple with something that that you absolutely can't achieve and to me that seems like super interesting and, and i think what was said earlier about the morality of consequence not not morality of consequence but the the consequence like what's the fallout when a a a city metropolis is leveled in certain parts what what are people feeling not everyone likes superman you know thinking of like two films ago you know false god or whatever um and and so it asks more interesting questions is it more entertaining than watching um marvel you know i don't think it's as entertaining as watching the thor movies but it's it makes you stop and think right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no i'd uh i'd agree with that sentiment um overall i 
I uh, I have very complex feelings because on one hand, yeah. I, I grew up loving these characters. I mean, I still have my another podcast I do with comic book scholar Joshua Unruh, an animated discussion. We're literally going back to the animated DC cartoons from the 90s, episode by episode. Oh, yeah. Superman. Oh. Um, and again, incredible. By the way, still incredible cartoons. Eh, there's some rough around the edges in some some areas, but not. But I would say overall, like outstanding just t- storytelling, especially for something that was designed for children. So I am. I, I really hold these characters near and dear to my heart. I honestly think if I I like all the yeah. characters, I like uh, Marvel. I like DC. But if I was going to pick, I'd honestly probably pick DC characters are the ones I like the most. Um, because uh, you know, just to to piggyback off of what Bobby was saying there, like the idea of metahumans. These are larger than life beings, and it's it's less about like their actual internal struggle for me as much as it is about what they represent, what are you, by using these characters, what are you saying about society? If you're using and you're deploying Superman in a story, you're not really telling a story about Superman as much as you're telling a story about something, about the society we live in, right? Oh, goodness, we live in a society. Oh, no, foot and mouth. But um, but like, you know, like when you use Batman, you're, you're probably trying to say something about uh, the, the, the nation, like the idea, the notion of crime fighting or breaking the law in order to uphold the law. If you're dealing with Superman, you might be dealing with larger philosophical questions about what man can and can't do. And this uh, idea of like human depravity and what we can't achieve without sort of a heroic character. Um, You know, I think that's pretty consistent across all the DC characters. They represent larger than life ideas. I love that. And I think Snyder gets that. That's the Mm -hmm. thing I think he actually does really, really understand. And I really appreciate that uh, to, you know, to, what you guys are saying, he didn't settle for just trying to rehash what had been done over at Marvel. And I would even say, and this is probably about the only nice thing I want to say about Warner Brothers on this on this show. I applaud Warner Brothers for backing a filmmaker, even if I don't know if at the end of the day Snyder was the right filmmaker. They they backed him to make uh, Man of Steel, and then uh, really allowed him to, make, uh, to go out and make BVS and kind of follow that through. And I will say this: having just rewatched Man of Steel. And BC, uh, BVS, the ultimate cut, and now Zack Snyder's Justice League, he definitely has a cohesive vision. He has a very clear thing he's wanting to do that that is that it, it, there's a very interesting through line. So I think just like from a world building perspective and like trying to see this director tell this really huge story, all of that I find really fascinating. At the end of the day, though, my, my problem comes back to would you take a child to see Ju- Zack Snyder's Justice League? Probably not. Uh, would you take your child to see Man of Steel, even though it's rated PG-13? I don't have kids. I don't have to actually answer that question, but I would say, mm, mm, I don't know, probably not. Like, it, Superman represents, like, it's supposed to represent, like, the best of humanity and, like, this sort of, like, unbendable um, force for good. And Snyder doesn't really seem super interested in that part. He He's more, in uh, like, in love with, like, the idea of a god brought to Earth sort of thing. So... I, I, while I really respect what he's done as a storyteller and a filmmaker, I struggle with how he has decided to represent the characters on the screen. And I would even go a step further and say, I feel the same way about, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman as well. Even though I like Ben Affleck in the role, I still feel like, uh, Batman going around straight up murdering people. Eh, not my favorite, but again, (laughs) if I, if I, if I say, okay, if I just accept that this is the world that Zack Snyder wants to play in, and these are the takes of the characters. And I just, if I can get past that. I think what he's doing is pretty compelling and you know, it's led to some really interesting stories and that are a lot different. So 
Um, with all that said, listeners, now that you kind of have a little more uh, background on what our takes are, what do we actually think? Daniel, I'll start with you on this one. So not watching the the 2017 version, uh, in part just because I was discouraged by how panned it was <laughs> when it came out, um, and then kind of rewatching it after watching the the Snyder's um, Zack Snyder's cut. It, I mean, narratively, it's it's significantly different. I do like that because I mean. It, it's pretty obvious, even down to the opening scene in um, the 2017 Justice League, where it's like the the cell phone camera um, vlog, you know, uh, filming uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, Clark Kent or excuse me, Superman. Oh, no. I hope I didn't spoil his identity. Um, but <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, we're not in the spoiler section. We're not to the spoiler section. I know. <laughs> edit that out kill um <laughs> but the uh you know it, i could tell that it was trying to go for something akin to like Shaz- shazam a little bit which is also more the lighthearted, kind of goofy almost inconsequential uh, i don't want to say entirely inconsequential i think that's a little bit dismissive but um sometimes the the marvel films i guess which is the the analogous we have for this um they they feel a little inconsequential i guess in a lot of ways they feel a little lighthearted. there is definitely a lot more humor but like not to say that that uh this uh zach snyder's film is like humorless but the tone is established where it's really hard to approximate what the the original um the theatrical cut was 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 really trying to do and then it omits some pretty important like it's weird that my you know, the, and I'll mention a little bit more on this in the spoiler section, but the, but the most compelling character arc um, of a uh, Victor or cyborg and, and the Snyder cut is mm-hmm. like almost entirely pretty much actually, no, not almost it's entirely omitted basically from the, uh, the, uh, the theatrical cut. And it kind of baffles me because that's for me, that was like really just having no point of reference. He was the, 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 the relatable character. He was the tether. He was again, what I felt most compelled by, even if in a lot of ways it has a bit of a, you know, kind of a somewhat of a generic, you know, premise for how that character is created. I, I just felt way more compelled. And I thought just the, the, the family drama that was integrated into that again, it, it just fit the film better and it felt the tone he was trying to establish. And yeah, it, it 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 also just makes more sense. Like like again, um, Caleb mentioned at the start of the podcast, the the narrative beats are for the most part identical, right? Like they 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 happen approximately the same place. They, you know, they the 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 ultimately the movie is not like that. Um, as far as the plot is concerned, it's not that different. It's just significantly more expanded. But it is in terms of of you know feeling and resonance, grow like like completely different films. Like utterly, I've I've not seen two technically the same film, but mm-hmm. so different in this way. Um, and so I like I, I like that about it. I, I think it's interesting. I feel like I got spoiled in seeing the Zack Snyder cut first. I like I was like, oh, this isn't that <laughs> this isn't that bad. I was I was going into it expecting it to be horrible, and then actually enjoying it. You know, for the most part, I I still have reservations about it, but um, it is definitely not the 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 horrible. You know. Uh, you know, Inferno that we were expecting it to be right. when we started the, watching. De- most definitely. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, I'll turn it over to you. What, what did you think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? 
So as somebody who I, I think I did, I, I can't find the podcast that I was on after the first Justice League, but um, or the original, whatever we want to call it at this point. Um, I know I defended it just because, of the, you know, we had production issues, all these things that you could chalk up to a lot of the issues. But coming out of 2017 Justice League, I was like distressed. Like I was my soul hurt a little bit <laughs> because of what they did to Wonder Woman. Because you would we had we had seen her introduced in BBS since she's this, you know, big warrior woman, like she's just there and she's proud and she's just taking up all the space. And then Wonder Woman is introducing in this like beautiful origin story movie with a really wretched third act, and that's my old opinion on that. But 2017 Justice League reduced her so much as a character and then objectified her on top of that, objectified the Amazons. Like I watched that scene and my like soul like fell out of my body a little bit. So getting to watch this version and seeing how Zach has treated these characters, he developed Wonder Woman, he's developed the Amazons. I was just so happy. (laughs) Like I wanted to cry. I think I did cry a little bit. Like they're just amazing and they're just portrayed so well. And like, I'm like speechless because I'm like reliving this moment again. Um, Just for me, it restored that as somebody who's watching these films and seeing these female characters being place back in the place they deserve to be. And I just really love it for that. <laughs> you know, what what I find interesting, and again, we're not going to spend too much time here, but, you know, Joss Whedon historically has had a reputation for strong female characters. So if you had told me even five years ago that Zack Snyder would have put on the the much more like feminist take on these characters, I would have laughed in your face very loudly. Uh, but, and yet, and yet... That is the case. That that is absolutely the case because they do some pretty mm-hmm. pretty upsetting things to to Wonder Woman in that last cut. Uh, and again, I, I feel like she has a full arc here. And yeah, she got the most. This is this movie contains the most epic battle scene with with all the Amazons in any of the the movies so far. So I think that's a, that's a pretty big deal. It's interesting, and I may be totally like hearing it more than I'm supposed to be hearing it because I want to hear it. Um, I hear her motif through the whole movie like in every pieces of the score like she has like her motif is everywhere and it's just placing her really center to the story because she is the one that kind of brings the information and she's you know part of the team she's she's leading the team but she's not the den mother that she's was reduced to in the 2017 film where she's like i'm working with children so yeah and she's also yeah. a yeah. And, and sorry just to to add to what chelsea said i'm thinking of something now and i'm thinking of a, a particular scene where um, and again, not to avoid spoilers, but there's an interaction between um, Diana and Victor. And like, she is actually a mm-hmm. vehicle for empathy. And you, and it's a very like, yeah. and, and fills a blind spot that, you know, Batman himself, the, the, the supposed, I guess, leader of the Justice League, who's trying to assemble them, fundamentally cannot connect with people on a human level. And that's where Diana um is is actually kind of fills that void and i just i just remember that that it's kind of an angsty scene uh, mostly mm-hmm. on victor's end but like uh, just because he's frustrated with life but 
Um, I, I, I do think that just to, to, to mention that too, is she actually serves again, a very, a little bit more of a specific, but again, a purpose that, that, that I think is really important for, for the, uh, you know, a, a bit of the internal conflict yep. uh, within the justice league itself in this film. Definitely. I mean, I would say most, if not all of the characters get a level up in this movie. Right. I would say, I, I mean, I would hope, you know, at doubling the runtime, oh, you, yeah. you would hope they get a level up, but like genuinely, I, I feel like all of them have complete arcs in this movie where that certainly wasn't the case in the last movie. And, and even in stuff like the Avengers, I don't know if you could say every character had it like an arc in the movie, really. Uh, so I just think that that's, uh, that's worth noting here. Um, but I, I do want to turn it over to you, Bobby. What, what, you know, overall, like, what did you think of Zack Snyder's justice league? Uh, it felt a lot more expansive. Um, I tried to break it up into a couple of nights and I really only ended up breaking it up into like two nights. And I, I, I did like an hour one night and then the next night I just couldn't finish it. I mean, I couldn't stop watching it, uh, because he just flushes out so much more context Um, he explains, obviously it's a four hour movie, which may or may not have been necessary. It could have been two movies. Who knows? I think breaking it up into the chapters helped. Uh, but I, I thought he did a better job. You, you feel, um, to, to kind of piggyback off of Chelsea, you feel the pain, uh, with even just the way um, the the fight with Steppenwolf goes down with the with the Amazons, and he, he he you get an explanation for you actually get an explanation for why they want these mother boxes. Uh, the previous version just seemed like ooh power we must take, but there's actually like and I know we'll get into it later, but there's actually like an arc behind it. There's a method to it. Um, and so I appreciated that a lot more. Uh, again, just kind of back to, to what he did with Cyborg was just moving to me uh, because I wasn't expecting that whatsoever. And, and to me, that was one of the biggest like pleasures of watching it, uh, even though, I mean, I'll just admit my Batman bias. Um, it was just like, he was incredible. I'm, I'm ready for like a cyborg standalone, you know, after watching that. Yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, I think, I think it sounds like uh, around the table, we're, we're all pretty much on the same page about the cyborg storyline um, and the wonder woman storyline. But I mean, like the, the movie just fleshes that out a lot more. And it's just crazy to think that something is, is like a, essentially like the emotional anchor of this film was completely yeah. missing entirely missing from the, the other movie. And it, it, it is truly something um, bizarre. I, I found the cyborg stuff to be pretty strong as well. I think it's actually pretty timely. It's real shame. It got cut from the theatrical film. Um, I will say like overall, I'm again, I have to preface this by, I just don't really like his take on the characters specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyond that, though, I mean, even down to uh, again, this is just like one example. And by the way, this is not me saying I don't like the cyborg storyline because I really do. But when I was growing up, when I was a lad, cyborg said stuff like booyah. And in this movie, he says, fuck the world. I was like, huh? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) That's that's 2021 booyah. Let's be real. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know. It's been a pandemic. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) 
this is a pandemic where this is what happens at the end of the pandemic. Uh, no, I mean, but again, that is like, that's a, a bigger issue I have with the larger universe. Like that's not like an exclusive thing to cyborg. It's just, I, I do wonder. And again, I appreciate the more nuanced takes and really diving into like some of these thematically. It's like, what would happen in the real world if this, these characters existed? I do appreciate that. I do the, the, the idea of consequence. Uh, like we saw in, in, in Batman versus Superman, you see here as well, like, Hey, whenever we as superheroes do something, bad stuff happens. We Superman died and he actually stays. And I'm kind of glad they waited until like the last, I, I guess the end of the second act is when he comes back. Sort of a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but he doesn't show yeah. up until very late in the movie. And I kind of like that because it leaves an open question. You know, had you not been inundated with all the marketing materials, you're like, I don't know, is Superman actually going to come back for this? Like, or is he going to be the thing that inspires the Justice League? So it, it feels like his death had an impact because they didn't immediately just return it to a status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really appreciate that about it. I find all of the setup for the the Dark Side Universe stuff endlessly fascinating. I love all of it. I love the idea that you're sort of building up to this big Thanos level bad guy again. DC bias just uh, showing here. I prefer Darkseid to Thanos. I think he's way more interesting. I like the idea that he's got this like crew of like henchmen, demon types. You got Steppenwolf in this movie. By the way, Steppenwolf, even Steppenwolf, I wouldn't say he's the most interesting bad guy we've ever gotten, but he gets a huge level up. Like I actually understand to Bobby's point, he has motivations that make sense other than moi must get mother boxes. Yeah. Um, Yep. And even uh, and even dark side, like he's got he's got like a certain angle there that I really appreciate. Um, so all of that I find great uh, outside of the epilogue. We'll talk about the epilogue. I was going to say uh, section. <laughs> the epilogue's real bad. Guys. I will say one of my favorite villains uh, makes an appearance <laughs> unexpectedly in this film. And I, I definitely hooped and hollered for when uh, she shows up. But I'll wait till the spoiler section. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh, you're not talking about the bad guy who says we live in a society? That's no, not that one. No, no, no. no. Okay. No, no. no. <laughs> um, but no, I like and I and I do really, again, having just watched the other two films he directed, I really do feel like he's setting up for some really interesting stuff. So all that to be said, yeah. uh, I thought this movie was going to be terrible. I actually was wa- planning on watching this as a like experiment in irony where I could laugh about it. And I was genuinely invested. I think it was a, uh, I don't know if it needed to be, I actually, I definitely don't think it should have been four hours long, even with his cut. Um, but I still think it, it's a really, really um, great piece of filmmaking. And uh, there's a lot of ideas that only Zack Snyder could have brought to the table in the way that he did and love him or hate him for it. Uh, you know, it's certainly going to be a very interesting pop culture artifact, so to speak. And make no mistake, this movie has all of Zack Snyder's strengths and weaknesses in full display. Right. This movie could have been an entire 30 minutes shorter if we'd cut the slow-mo out. Yeah, maybe more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I found that I like the idea of chapters, but all of them felt like they were written in a freshman filmmaking class where they thought they were really smart. I was like, ugh. I just, uh, so there's a lot of, and then like, yeah, the F, uh, the the fuck the world stuff. Like that, that's the stuff I just like, ugh. Zack Snyder, you didn't have to do that. We we you can just like trust the work and let it go. Yeah, and unfortunately, it establishes a bit of a, a weird precedent, like precedent. And I, I do kind of attribute maybe maybe combination Snyder and and Nolan with his uh, Dark Knight trilogy that the the idea of the the gritty superhero film or superhero, I guess, interpretation. I, I remember when I was at a 
uh, Comic-Con in 2018 and they were sponsoring the, uh, I know this, I don't think I, I know Zack Snyder didn't like write or direct any of this, but, the, but I think his influence is clear. It was the Titans, uh, live action series and they were really promoting that. And so, <laughs> um, like everywhere we went, I must've heard the phrase fuck Batman, uh, like 200 times from like Robin and it's just like rolled my eyes every single time. Not only the first time it was, it was dumb enough and just like unnecessary. And, and, and I do, again, I think cyborg has a little bit more of a, Oh, he's way more excuse. interesting than that. Yeah. yeah he, no, he, way he, more interesting. He, he definitely at least earned his, 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 uh, fuck the world. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm not against like dark and gritty storytelling. It's I, appropriate, but, but, but like it, but sometimes it just feels like you're doing stuff just to like feel like, yeah, you're, look, it, this is a mature thing for adults. Don't you see it? And I'm like, uh, you know, just, just trust the story. No, trust yeah. the story. That might just be me because I did because like when like if you look like th those are the Zack Snyder isms that really drive me crazy. But there's a lot of things he's really good at. And I'm not just talking. A lot of people say, yeah, he's a good action filmmaker. No, I think he's actually really good. Like I said earlier, understanding the weight of what these characters mean. He understands that these characters are powerful. They physically when they do something, they mean something. the symbols, the like, like, like all of that stuff is really, really important. He understands the iconography. I just wonder if the take in general might <laughs> may have. In fact, destroyed DC characters for an entire generation. But, you know, that's that's beside the point. That's another podcast. We're focusing on this movie specifically. So um, I'll turn it over. I feel like I've kind of like aired my entire opinion, like dislike on one statement. So, Chelsea, I'll turn it back to you for a second. Uh, was there anything in particular that you disliked or would criticize the movie for? I'm trying to figure out how to frame this without spoiling something. But there's a conversation between Martha and Lois that just gets like totally undercut by a oh whatever happens next in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, thank God they replaced the original conversation between Martha and Lois. We did not need this like weird thirsty conversation that again undermines, undercuts, and just reduces our female characters. Um, yeah. But I, I was like, this is a really moving conversation between superman's you know like his partner and his mother about grief and about how you know their place in the world and and superman's place in the world and how everybody's dealing with these emotions and then what happens next you're like oh so this was a manipulation <laughs> so that wasn't that was probably my least favorite part outside of like some weird technical stuff that i'm like can we cut the slow-mo we'd be at three and a half hours at this point um the weird like nordic whaling thing for aquaman was a lot like i was like kind of like super uncomfy watching it so <laughs> but other than that i really think that was like my biggest gripe honestly okay i think that would relate to and we'll talk about all this stuff more in detail but my i had the same feeling it's like the um the epilogue i'm like set like 90 percent of the epilogue i'm like this is great and then they add something that's just so dumb it totally deflates the entire thing you're watching and you're like why bobby i'll, I'll turn it to you for a second was there anything that you take issue with or would you would have liked to have seen done differently in the Zack snyder's uh, justice league so i feel that it was like such a hot mess and from 2017 to begin with like without reshooting the entire thing what are you gonna do i would say like what what Chelsea just mentioned was definitely like an eye roll scene. Another scene that I kind of, are we into where we can like give spoilers away? 
Okay, you know what? I, I was going to break it up more separately, but guys, the movie came out in 2017. So listeners, okay. if you don't want to be spoiled, then then just just come back when you finish the movie. Yeah. Or just watch the 2017 cut because the story, the actual plot is the same. So so they so they resur- they resurrect superman right and they're trying to they're trying to subdue him and my recollection of the comics and everything is that wonder woman is physically his equal if not superior and like she had no shot at him and that doesn't seem to compute with what like should have happened. And, and so that was just, it was like, you know, I I get what they're trying to do. Like, you know, push Lois Lane as sort of the central character to Superman's reason, um, love or whatever. But it was like, he just like knocks Wonder Woman around as if she's Batman. And, and that's just not how those two characters are operate in the sphere of combat um i'm getting like her power her power set fluctuates like so much all the time so yeah (laughs) yeah and he should have been and superman should have like kind of been at his weakest at that point having just like received his consciousness back or whatever um but yeah that that seemed really odd most definitely i Okay, and I have to ask the question, Bobby. You might actually be able to speak to this, maybe, because I know it's a comic book thing, like because yeah. I've seen the comic images, but I don't actually know the story. I really thought that there would be a point to Black Suit Superman, yeah, because they made such a deal about it when it wasn't the movie. I thought surely it would mean something, and I know like the idea was they pulled it from a famous com- uh, comic book, but in this actual movie. It's it's literally no difference. He just picks the black suit instead of the red and blue suit. But what he does is essentially the same. He still goes back and, and helps the Justice League um, defeat Steppenwolf. Is there something I'm missing there that we should know about? Like the black suit? Yeah. Uh, it's my recollection that so it's my recollection that the black suit is sort of a trope that they introduced like in the 80s or whatever. So when Superman was weaker he absorbs more energy from the sun in order to regain his power. I would have been so okay with that being explained. In like, the- <laughs> Cause it's like, are you like, you're like, it oh, he's, pick- more he's, he's, oh, he's, oh, he's yeah. picking the black suit. Is he going to go evil in this? And obviously yeah. they're, setting, they're setting up for in the future movies for him to go evil. But it just was like, what was the point of the, the black suit? But you know, um, yeah yeah so that, again that's that's another thing where i was like black suit thing snyder does a lot uh, for better and for worse goes both yeah. ways he oftentimes makes choices based off of what looks cool and not actually what makes character or logical sense and i'm not saying that's always a bad thing because you get a lot of really cool cinematic moments whether it's yeah. men whether it's man of steel whether it's Zack snyder's justice league whether it's 300 sometimes it works and sometimes you're like wait why why did he do that? And that was a big one for me. I was like, black suit. We all got excited about it, but it actually didn't really do anything yeah. differently. But, um, well, well, Daniel, uh, I mean, I've already aired my uh, grievances with the film. How about you? Is there anything you would have done differently or, or changed about Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League? I don't know if I would have done differently, but like I, I and I get the purpose. And at first it helps. So part of it, I know we've talked about the slow motion a little bit and I'm I'm OK with slow motion there's a lot of slow motion everywhere. There's, there's slow motion 
in okay can i yeah I no, Daniel, drop it okay Daniel, go ahead and drop, drop it. it the drop. mop will be dropped in <laughs> slow-mo so and it'll be ominous it'll be like a dun, dun, and you're like yeah. holy cow something's about to go down because that mop just dropped there's a goddamn cgi sesame seed that's like 45 seconds of <laughs> and like why and it's like oh the flash is fast i'm like oh i yeah i um, if you, you needed the sesame seed to understand how fast he was going. you would not you also needed the hot dog in the air the hot dog the hot dogs i'm more okay with um the sesame seed is where i draw the line i it's when we get to the 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 the, the individual ingredients of food at one point, oh, yeah. Lois. At one point, Lois buys a cup of coffee and she picks it up in slow mo. No, I'm not making no. this up. People. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Yeah. I'm wondering now. By the end of the film, was there less slow motion, or did my like perception of time just acclimate to like so much of this film being in slow motion? And that's a superficial. Like, it's not that bad because there was a part of me I remember when I was a kid uh, sneaking into to to 300 and thinking like that was awesome. You know, but like now you watch that film and it's almost unwatchable, like because of the the amount of slow motion. So it just it just I, I don't get it. But admittedly, do I know how to correctly use that? Because in a lot of ways, you know, I almost prefer that to the other um, action film, uh, uh, you know, tool that a lot of people with Marvel films are, are really um, bad about this is they pull away from like they cut the 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 sequence or the shot like right when contact is made so if two characters are fighting they're they're usually more often than not they're going to cut away from the point of impact to emphasize it but like whereas with with this you know in the slow motion you do see kind of everything but it's almost like it's just like the opposite end of the spectrum and i and i don't know how what the best way to create a superhuman action sequence is i i don't i can think of like you know, examples, but, but a lot of them, I, I don't know if they would, they would work in, you know, every scenario, but that's, that, that's one thing. I think it just kind of got a little tiring. I, I think the muted colors, um, they, they do well. And again, it kind of helps establish the tone, but then when every single scene is yeah. like that, it's, it's, I don't think there's any artistic point to it. it um, and then again, to Chelsea's point, I, I was thinking about that. It was, it's like, he can't Snyder can't sometimes decide when to like pump the brakes and let just a good scene be a good scene. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you always have to like allude to something else or make an allusion to, to something or provide some form of like fan service. And that's why like, I think almost the epilogue in its entirety, um, there's other than the initial 10 minutes of it, I guess there's like a lot of it just felt kind of pointless like i get why it's there it's to it's to allude to, to other films um and things like that but like it it, it just it, it felt like deleted like there are there are sequences that just feel like like truly in the true sense of the word deleted scenes that also don't really serve the narrative that much and um i don't know it it, it, it it's odd but but then again it was kind of fun to to, to watch them in in that you know, moment, but, but then when you like sit back and look at the film as a whole, you realize there is a lot of wasted motion, I think. And I don't know. I, I, but overall I did enjoy it. Like it's, that's the thing. It's just, 
Yeah, well, you know, here's an example of good slow-mo. Uh, the the final sequence where the Flash re- saves the day, which, oh, yeah. by the way, the Flash even got a huge level up in this one. Oh, like, yeah, all his yeah, stuff certainly. was great. and he, mm-hmm. His intro scene was amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, if, you know, if you look past the hamburger sesame seed, it was incredible. And I'm not joking. It was great. I love that scene. Way better than his introduction in the uh, theatrical cut, for example. Right. And mm-hmm. he, I, again, I, I also, I, I guess one thing I didn't mention is, this movie, it, which is bizarre because this is Zack Snyder, and I don't feel like he's actually been very good at this historically. I genuinely feel like these people are working together as a team. Like you actually feel that it's a challenge for them and they're figuring it out. Like, so in the end, all of them have a really important role to play. Uh, you know, and, and the Flash is able to really come through. Like, they're, you know, everyone has to work together. Superman has to be at this place at this time. The Flash has to activate this thing at this time. Batman's got to. Uh, keep the hell bats from entering the, th- you know, I mean, all of them are working together, both I would say in the climax. Um, and also when they resurrect Superman, like all, all of them are doing something in that scene to contribute something meaningful to the objective. And, but yeah, I, I thought the flash in particular, his role in the, the finale was really awesome. He, the way he was able to it, it sort of showcase what he was capable of when he pushes mm-hmm. himself past his like normal limitations, which is he can actually pull a Superman from the 1970s in reverse time, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. So that, I would say that was a great ex- example of, of slow-mo used yeah. effectively, you know? So I, sometimes I think Zack Snyder less is more. Uh, okay. So we already sort of hit on the, I kind of, we're jumping around question wise here, but uh, it sounds like we all are sort of on the same page. Anything Bobby, uh, you or Chelsea would like to add about the the runtime? The runtime. Yeah. Four hours. I mean, I literally just said that I will sit there and watch 20 hours with the Lord of the Rings. So like, I don't think I was too upset about it, but <laughs> definitely. I think if you had chopped the, uh, the slow-mo down we would have been fine we would have been like three and a half hours but um you know talking about the slow-mo i think that snyder used it in like two different ways like one was like his stylistic choice but like especially with the flash scene it kind of seemed like he was framing it as like a comic panel like there were just like how it was like chosen and framed and like what it froze on so like I'm kind of iffy on the slow-mo. Like, I definitely, like, I would have loved 30 minutes off of, like, cutting it off slow-mo-wise, but I'm not upset about the runtime. Okay. All right. Bobby, you watched this one in... I I think you're the only one here who watched it in multiple settings. So, runtime, too long? Were you cool with it? What do you think? If you break it up, it works. Uh, I mean, I'm a busy person, so having the chapters there was helpful... I, I don't know. Like if it was a Saturday, a four hour movie, you know, that's two Rocky movies, which that I'll do that on a Saturday. It, it's fine. I mean, people should be allowed to like if the studio will let them do it. Then why not really? Okay. I mean, it's, it's not any different than, you know, what Chelsea mentioned earlier than, than some of the, the Lord of the Rings extended versions. I mean, just if you think of it in that way, Right. And I, I think you're, I, I really like the, the, the thing that you both are highlighting, which is Lord of the Rings was able to do it with the extended cuts when it was released for home video. This is yeah. HBO Max. So they're actually yeah. really taking advantage of the fact that it's on HBO Max. So they don't have to worry about, hey, this has to be two hours and 22 minutes because we got to fit so many showings a day into this theater so we can sell this many tickets. Like it's more focused around, like, just what do you want to do? 
even the Lord of the Rings extended cuts have moments where they're overindulgent a little bit. And oh, yeah. I think, and I think the fans who are there for it are there for it. And yeah. at the end of the day, uh, I don't know if it necessarily makes a better movie, but for what this thing is, it really is. I know, quote unquote, for the fans. But this is a movie that was demanded by a lot of people online, and it just so happened to play out. So sure, four hours. Not, I don't think it makes a better movie, but for the you know re-releasing an extended cut on HBO Max, a platform that has no limitations. Yeah, okay, I can live with that. I don't think it's unrealistic that it could see a theatrical release in the future because we see it could be extended editions in theaters every once in a while. I mean, um, they just did an IMAX extended edition of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, one thing we haven't mentioned yet, speaking of that, is we all watch this movie in the format that Zack Snyder intended. The mm-hmm. 4-3 uh, format. And on our phones. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, Bobby, I watched it uh, on my Game Boy Advance. What are you talking about? Come yeah, on. yeah I, was... <laughs> I thought of that. Um, well, I mean, the movie. No, uh... I, that was something that we uh, that I that I wrote down to talk about. Like, I did like the aspect ratio of it. It, it felt different, and it, it felt it drew me in more differently than just the the, the widescreen. I mm-hmm. I liked it a lot, and I noticed that in the opening, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, I, I had not read about pre I, I tried to stay away from spoilers and then, you know, it was like, it was kind of satisfying because everything is shot in is it 17, nine, everything is that now. And so mm. it was different and better. I felt. Well, and again, I am not going to claim to be an actual expert on this. All I know is that Zack Snyder, um, he, he shot this for IMAX in the truest sense and the, he used the cameras and apparently he disregarded their best practices in doing that and doing so and how he frames some stuff. But you know what? Like, that's the thing. Like the lighthouse is another movie that came out. Whoa. 2019. Right. I was going to say last year, but we're in 2021 now. So 2019, that movie is in four, three. And I feel like it's a definitely an artistic choice. And, you know, again, I, I, I I don't know that I would give Zack Snyder that credit quite, but maybe let's say it's an artistic choice. Uh, maybe it, it, Bobby, if you're telling me it adds something for you, I appreciate that. I, I find the whole thing kind of ridiculous, but, but, but if it's adding value to people out there watching it, I don't mind. Cause once you start watching it, you don't really know, like for me, like once you, you really yeah. get in sync with the movie, like, you don't really, I, at least I wasn't really even thinking about that. Honestly, I, I, mean, I mentioned, I like said it out loud the whole four hours. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, this looks so good in four, three, four. Like, this really looks good. What am I watching? Oh my gosh, Batman. <laughs> Look at that. Oh. Look at the Dark Knight Returns costume. It's so, oh, that aspect ratio just nails it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> Chelsea, I don't I don't know. Did you have anything you want to add about the uh, aspect ratio? I'm always saying this because this is like the, I, I like the, the way that like information about this movie has been revealed was like one kind of like sarcastic, like, Oh, laugh, laugh, laugh. Oh wait, they're being serious about it after another. And this was another one of those. Yeah. Um, I, I think I liked it. I don't, the sidebars aren't as distracting as like the ones at the top and the bottom. So I think possibly people are going to be a little less bothered about it. Um, the, the people that do complain about having the bars around their screen and things, um, I don't think the aspect ratio for like your like everyday viewer is 
part of the conversation <laughs> because I mean like obviously people that are like in the film community like we're like oh it's four three oh it's you know widescreen all these things but I mean if you look at something like WandaVision they played with aspect ratio the whole time oh my god like, it was widescreen and then it would like come in closer yeah. and because it was you knew you were in different in a different space so I think that that playing with aspect ratio isn't going to be super uncommon Okay, so I'm the snob here who's saying, "Give me my widescreen format." Uh, while the the the, the, you, the 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 Zach Snyder's a man of the people. That is what I'm hearing. He did this not because he was being extremely self indulgent, but because he knew that people wouldn't care. He did it for us. Exactly, we didn't care. Superheroes, do are you do you. Superheroes are vertical guys. They're not horizontal. Unless you're talking about Superman when he's flying, he's he's horizontal. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna stop. I. I'm this is a rabbit hole. Yeah. It's a bad rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, we're going to come back to it. Okay, okay. So we've um, already, I mean, we've already broken the spoiler label here. Um, so I'll get more into a little bit about the differences and um, specifically, and maybe, and I would just say get general takes on things you guys would like to talk about here. But uh, if you were going to give a letter grade to the movie, uh, the Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, on a scale of A to F, uh, what, sort of letter grade would you give it uh bobby griffith will start oh i wanted to like cheat i mean it's so hard because i I honestly like justice league i had such high hopes for it even though batman v superman was disappointing and i you know it's it's in the it could be so much better. I mean, even the director, the Snyder cut could be so much better. Um, ah, man, I feel like I'm grading on a curve and it's a B. It's a B to me. Um, I wanted it to be so much better in 2017 and it's better than the dumpster fire of 2017. But at the same time, there was so much more potential. Okay. Give it a letter grade B. Daniel Bokemper. Follow that up. Are you going to grade it on a curve? It's okay if you are. I mean, honestly, this is a great time to grade on a curve because 2017 was so bad. It did legitimately lower well, my I, expectations. I didn't see the 2017 film initially. I just knew uh, how negatively everyone else reviewed it. So I just, I just listened to everyone else. I assumed it was bad. Um, and it was when I re- <laughs> started rewatching it. Um, recently, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it's like, I, I don't know if it's entirely my film, but it is actually, I think on the slightly more positive end of the spectrum of most superhero hero films, I feel and it. Again, I was compelled by, um, you know, especially, um, cyborg story arcs or character arcs. So I, you, you know, C plus for cyborg plus, I think is where I'm, I'm lying. I I, kind of like, I I don't say C just because that would be like, it's like perfectly mediocre and it really isn't um, in that way. I think it is better. And I think it's, it's actually very justifiable in its release. This doesn't seem like just a, you know, a, a waste of time. This definitely feels like a sincere and probably what, what at least Snyder intended this film to be. And, um, in that way, I, I think there's there's quite a few things worth appreciating. But then again, there are just filmmaking decisions that that are hard to 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 you know feel compelled by. So 
I, I I would say probably like C C C plus. And if you're like again, if you're interested in these kinds of things, I don't I don't think it's going to turn anyone who isn't. You know, I I don't think like a film goer who isn't a f- a fan of of these kinds of large like Hollywood films or or superhero spectacles, this isn't going to be the film that like sells anybody on that. Um, but it is still, you know, especially if you're 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 more of a fan of that. And to some extent I am, I, I think it is a, you know, a, a, a pretty solid film, but uh, you know, I do, I do have my reservations. I think like, yeah, like C to C plus probably lean on the C plus just for it, you know, because I, I think there's more good about it than there is bad at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. C plus that's very respectable score. Chelsea Radiman, we'll turn it over to you. Oh man, this is like, okay. Are we grading it on the curve? Yes, we've established grading on a curve no. is acceptable. The Zack Snyder curve. Gosh, the- I mean, if it's if it's if it's on the curve, like I'm about to be like super generous because I really liked it. Like I just had a great time. I thought everything was fleshed out. I mean, really, my biggest issues with the film were like technical sins of Zack Snyder things. Really. Um, I'm like, I don't want to be the person that's like, I'm going to give it an A, but like, I kind of want to just because I loved it. And like, I'm a really generous grader. Like if I hate it, you're going to get an F. If I just don't care, you're probably going to get a C, but like, if I really liked it. I'm not really a B grader. You're going to get an A. There's no middle ground for me. It's either great or bad. Booyah. That's what I got to say about that. So we've got it. Uh, you know, uh, I I think I'm I'm probably in line with with Daniel. I'm I'm gonna also go with the C plus mostly because my and I'm grading it on the curve of uh, my and my my headcanon curve, which is I don't really like these characters, but if I, I like the, their takes on these characters, but if I just accept if I just accept that as the curve right there, mm-hmm. then I think it's pretty solid. Like I think it's a good movie. I think it's a really strong follow up to the Batman versus Superman, a movie I. Again, I actually think the ultimate cuts a lot better, but I still don't really like it that much. I think this is a huge improvement from that movie. And I just, I really do feel like Zack Snyder is swinging for the fences. He is weaving a Lord of the Rings, like level epic tapestry in this movie. And I think that's really admirable. And I, I think it mostly works most of the time. I think if, he just needs the right kind of collaborator who can just tell him when to pull back and, and when to like lean in. Because and this be, we saw what happened whenever it's like they pull it all back. We get a just, just a bad movie, like a really bad movie in 2017. But also whenever it, like he has full control, like he's just the things that I he, I he, he he does that drive me crazy are just even more present. So I just wish he's, there's a happy medium in there somewhere. I don't know if it's a good writing partner or a good producing partner, but someone who just knows when to say. Just cut back on the slow-mo a little bit. Just a little bit. You can still have it for your really cool scenes here and there. Um, okay, you want an epic monologue? Well, what if we just what if we don't do it with Jared Leto? Because that's always a bad idea. Um, you know, like just just have someone who who can who 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 can kind of like know when to who knows his vices and can kind of uh kind of uh rein it in a little bit. But I I I was pleasantly surprised by how much I really enjoyed the movie overall. And um, I, you know, we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but I'm not really sure what the future of the DC universe holds. But I would say this, like it, it, it left me wanting to see it left me wanting to know what happens next. Yeah, it it at least alluded to one particular film that 
I like, and I don't know if they're, well, I guess they are confirming it, but the, the, the like, uh, and I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more in the future holds, but it, well, this movie actually, it's really weird because this cut actually, so we're, this is kind of weird. This movie actually sets up a bunch of movies. It sets up, uh, the Aquaman movie, which comes chronologically after this movie. Yeah. Sets that up in the context. It, it does set up the next Batman that we never got because yeah. the, the, the post credit scene with Lex Luthor revealing Bruce Wayne's identity Definitely feels like it was setting up a Deathstroke. Oh, that would have uh, been so good. No, and it was going to be written and directed and produced by Ben Affleck, who's a really good writer and yes. producer. Um, so oh. it, it sets that up. It does. It, it's weird because we're getting it four years later, but it actually sets up a bunch of movies. The one we haven't gotten yet that I think you're talking about is the, the Flash Flashpoint point movie. Yeah, yeah the, the Flashpoint Paradox, which is one of my favorite um animated films dc animated films i can think of that they did and like i yeah they and they don't like hit you over the head like this is going to happen but but the flash does not <laughs> turn back time right like the justice league doesn't lose in the the theatrical like lose for a second and then you know come yeah no no in the theatrical again, version like, superman shows up and it's game over and like, it's yeah, yeah. It is. yep yep he's one punch man like it um <laughs> Like it doesn't, uh, yeah, I, I think alluding to that, um, of, of, you know, again, the flashpoint paradox, I think that that kind of got me excited, I guess. And, and I generally don't get too like excited when films are trying to like allude to, a you know, another in some, I guess in some circumstances I, I, I do. And like, I can't say I'm a little excited when you see like, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. show up in the Incredible Hulk film or something at the end of that. Like that is a like interesting moment that makes you, you know, your mind race a little bit. But like with, with this one, especially, I think at the end of the day, it was like <laughs> I'm way more interested in, in in what the Flash, I guess, is going to be doing as a standalone film. And to to um, what Bobby was mentioning uh, near the start of the podcast um, with how well fleshed out Cyborg is and just how much better developed that character is in this cut i'm you know i would be on board with some kind of standalone cyborg you know if not a film a television series i I think the character is interesting enough that it has legs whereas in the again the 2017 there's like nothing and so there's deliberate threads like with the conclusion of the film and then with the the uh since we're in spoiler sections uh or talking spoilers, the, 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 uh, Martian Manhunter illusions that Chelsea was mentioned early after that, like clearly, yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's setting up for like justice league and things like that. But I I think the kind of, but but this is justice league, Daniel. Oh yeah. Justice league part two, excuse (laughs) me, whatever the big justice league unlimited or or whatever. I don't know (laughs) more justice (laughs) and more league. Um, I, yeah, like those are kind of like really like hammer on the head. Like clearly, yes, this is alluding to a sequel, but whereas I don't know the, the thing with the flash, like, and maybe it's because I went in knowing they are considering a Flashpoint I, film. I, like, already. I'm not. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'll just say this, guys: they've literally been working on a Flash movie as long as I've been watching movies. So next, next November, November 2022. <laughs> yeah, just like I heard that for November 2019 and 2017 and 2015 and it, it's gonna have all the batmans and it's not even a batman movie <laughs> yeah it does they have okay okay this is i will say this and again i i i'll believe it when i see it but yeah. they have got this feels like the closest we've ever gotten to a flash movie because we've got ezra miller who's been cast for like five years now yeah um we've got they've announced that ben affleck and michael keaton are both uh signed on to return in the flashpoint mm-hmm. movie 
And we have a director. Uh, well, I'm going to butcher his last name. Uh, Andrew, the guy who directed the It movies. I can't say his last name. Uh, the It Chapter Machete. 1, It Chapter 2. Machete, thank you. I'll say that again. Uh, Andrew uh, Machete, yes. So we've got a director. Allegedly, there's a script he's also working on. So I guess we're the closest we've gotten to one. But we'll see. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, though, because Flashpoint Paradox is their only hope at somehow making all of these different versions sort of kind of make sense in the multiverse they've got going on here. So. Uh, OK, OK, OK. So, you know, what we're going to we, we are going to, you know, I'm going to start here in a second talking about that epilogue and then we'll work backwards. But um, for listeners out there who either. um what movie would you recommend our listeners also watch or watch in place of Ju- Zack Snyder's Justice League? It sounds like we're all pretty positive on it overall, more positive than not. Um, so I would say what would be another movie that you would watch alongside it or uh, co- in correspondence with it? Maybe maybe as a double feature, another four hour long movie uh, to, to make it an eight hour, you know, make it a full work shift. Um, so, uh, Daniel, I'll start with you. Any recommendations for what uh, listeners should also watch? Um. Yeah, I uh, so so <laughs> just to, to to fit this in here for for a, uh, another four hour film that was, I think, four hours in its theatrical cut. I have no idea, actually, but um, I'll just assume it was um, uh, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai four hour mm-hmm. film. Very uh, <laughs> clips on by if you're into that sort of thing. I guess you do kind of have to acclimate to a foreign language film in black and white with no slow motion or um, uh muted color palettes or anything like that. But um, I also think maybe, so we mentioned the flashpoint paradox, the animated film. I I really like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if you just want more justice league, the, the, the television series or the animated series from the 2000 early aughts. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Justice league and justice league unlimited. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of those I like um, and I would recommend. And then I would say, while I don't like Snyder's watchmen that, much for the sake of not having to jump um you know different mediums of art so if you wanted to watch like basically i'm saying watch the watchman uh television series bobby griffith what would you recommend uh the listeners also watch uh alongside zach snyder's justice league uh, i'm not going with something four hours uh i think you could uh just to add context go animated and go with um uh, Batman, a death in the family. And then that will make sense of the epilogue. And then some just sort of like Easter eggs they dropped in Batman V Superman. It's, I don't know. I like that. I like that particular series, that particular story arc in the comics, Batman heavy context. Well, Zack Snyder really likes Batman. You see, yeah. uh, as we, as we've seen in these, uh, these films, especially the, the darker, uh, grungier version. But yeah. uh, I think there's some there's a lot of great there are a lot of great Batman stories out there for sure. Um, another one not really related to this as much, but Mask of the Phantasms. Are oh, really my gosh. Cool. Yeah. I've talked about that one before, Bobby. Um, that's a that's a much, in my opinion, must see probably one of the best DC movies um, ever released. So that's a that's a great one. Chelsea, how about you? What would you recommend the people watch along with Zack Snyder's Justice League? I think at this point, people are going to assume I do not have a life because I'm just going to go like really long commitment road. Um, there's two ways that I could, you know, you could pair this. You could either um, do the whole whole shebang and watch Man of Steel and BBS and Justice League <laughs> and just really 
really immerse yourself, feel it, experience what Zack Snyder is going for. Um, get on board the uh, Restore the Snyderverse train. <laughs> so we get the other two. Um, or watch Infinity War and Endgame as the uh, kind of the um, other side of the coin, what's going on. Because there's some really interesting like beats. Okay. Probably because there's just a lot of tropes that are happening over the course of both these films, like the MacGuffins, and it's dude that wants to collect powerful things and then destroy what he can't control. So, okay. But yeah, you could do that too, and just kind of kind of see what the similarities are and the differences there are, because it's just kind of interesting that they're so similar, but so different. That's right. Go across the street, go to the, the, uh, the Marvel train, <laughs> see how the cool kids do it. Family friendly <laughs> versions. Uh, no, that's a great there recommendation. Uh, I do think it would be interesting to kind of do a side by side, like look at the the Zack Snyder's version of a, an epic, because I do think this is an epic. I, make no mistake. I think I've said it before, but this is like a Lord of the Rings style epic, the likes of which Marvel has never attempted. The closest they got was if you were to pair Infinity War and, and Game together. I guess you could make an argument that's sort of like like an epic as well. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think that's those are the, that's a great recommendation. I am also going. To, I've got two. I'm going to start with an, the animated route. And this one is way more lighthearted because after watching four hours of really dark, gritty, angry superheroes, and we didn't even mention the fact that they strike, they straight up decapitate. In fact, Wonder Woman decapitates uh, Steppenwolf in, yeah. in fantastic fashion. And then they, for only his head to fly through the portal at Darkseid's feet. I mean, again. That was awesome. <laughs> All I'm saying is that is definitely an example of Snyder doing the really cool thing. I'm not sure if I think the characters would ever actually do that, even in this universe. But you know what? It looked really freaking cool. Yeah, I, I was kind of wondering at times where I was like, what really makes this film rated R versus, you know, the I guess the PG-13 of the theatrical cut? And I'm like, oh, that because I, I guess in the, the the 2017 film, what what how does Steppenwolf? Oh, the, no, the he, he doesn't even die. No, no, he the gets, hell, hell he gets coming. scared. Yeah, well, he gets scared of Superman and hell bats take him back up a yeah, boom because he's afraid and they, they sense his fear. And then this, he's like, no, you, you, will, you will die. <laughs> and then your dad's going to step on your head. And that's like, <laughs> I didn't even mention, I didn't even talk, take a second to brag about the boom tubes, how much cooler they were in the yeah. version. And I, that's such a small mm-hmm. detail. But every time a boom tube showed up, you're like, oh man, that's such a cool thing. Versus it felt like a throwaway effect they threw and they threw together in the uh, theatrical cut. So anyway, thank you, Zack Snyder, for making stuff cool. Um, anyway, my recommendation after you've watched our superheroes decapitate people and say F words and, you know, all sorts of jury things. Go watch Teen Titans go to the movies. It is a delightful film. It is a celebration of all things DC superheroes. And I would even go further in saying all things superheroes um, thing, all things superhero movies. Like it really gets inside like the inner workings of uh, the the superhero film industry more specifically. Uh, There's some great cameos in there. Cyborg's a major character. And it sets up the return of the OG Teen Titans, even though I don't think they've actually paid that off, but it was still really fun to see. So please go watch it. It's also streaming on HBO Max, and it, it's a good change of pace if you enjoyed this version. And it's only like 80, I don't think it's 90 minutes long. It's, it is super duper short, So and very much with your time. Uh, the other one I would say is probably my favorite team-up movie outside of uh, the, 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 well, my other favorite team-up movie uh, which is X-Men 2, X-Men United. 
Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Low key, uh, a really. I mean, people kind of forget about it. Maybe it's because it came before the superhero boom, so to speak. But like that movie does an incredible job at balancing a lot of different character arcs and like really interesting themes, while also delivering a whole bunch of holy shit that was really cool action sequences in it. Uh, really underrated. Uh, again, I know Brian Singer has kind of become a, a very complicated figure in Hollywood these days. But uh, I think that movie on, on the whole outside of just his direction, but I mean, everything from like the score to the acting performances, a uh, really, really strong film. One of my favorite superhero movies of mm-hmm. all time. And I definitely think one of the strongest like team superhero movies I've seen. Okay, well, let's 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 move on here. This was originally where we were going to start talking spoilers, but there's just so much to talk about. Uh, there are many differences uh, between the Zack Snyder cut and the Joss Whedon cut. Uh, but Bobby, I want to start with you. If you were to boil it down to one or two differences, like at a larger level, like what would you say are the biggest differences to you? Oh gosh. Um, character development, context, and the ending, not the epilogue, the ending. I'll just leave it there. Well, I mean the endings. So the way they, they do Steppenwolf completely differently, really yeah. leads to a different ending. I, I mean, the fact that they actually, have dark side in this movie at all. I, I think he yeah. is only referenced once at the very end of the theatrical cut right. as Wolf is sucked back up into the boom tube at the end of the theatrical version. So, I mean, like it, it really does lay the groundwork for an entirely different ending. And I'm, and, and that's outside of the, the giant decapitation of Steppenwolf, but like there's this sense of, you know, you know, at the, at the end of uh, the, the 2017 justice league, it really feels like hopeful, like, yay, we just beat the bad guys. He ran away like a coward. Isn't that great? Uh, versus this one where you're like, oh, I mean, we beat him, but it's not over. Uh, in fact, you know, and then when you pair that with the epilogue, you're like, oh, it's it's actually about to get a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, how about you? Really, it's a lot of the same things. I mean, we understand where our characters are coming from now, why they're doing the things they're doing. We understand why Steppenwolf's doing what he's doing, which is dramatically different than the theatrical version. Um how again how we framed our our female characters there's just so many differences that i mean it just makes it so much of a better film yeah we've talked a lot about the the main differences that that stick out to us between the theatrical cut different character beats um really fleshed out characters uh i mean like if we're thinking about the the epilogue for example the, the epilogue for me probably sums up my feelings for the movie pretty well which is man this is really cool except for like one or two just really glaring things that drive me nuts chelsea let's uh get your perspective here on the epilogue uh so it it sort of goes through and checks in with all the different players and then we get another one of those nightmare sequences like we we saw um from batman in uh bvs and then we get Jared Leto's Joker and it all unfolds and sort of like sets up alleged, you know, sets up what would be the next movie, I guess. Uh, Chelsea, what did you think of the uh, the epilogue overall? It did feel like it was kind of shoehorned in. Um, like it was just kind of there. It didn't really have like a connection outside of obviously what we had in previous context with the nightmare scenes. Um, it was obvious. I, I don't know if Zack Snyder like set it up as like bait for the fans of like, hey, here's this to kind of keep the movement alive. I just don't know if like he's that kind of person, but it definitely is going to like fan the flames. And it it kind of tells us where the story was going, which just really excites me as a person that I really want Justice League 2 and 3 now. So 
Um, it was interesting. I don't think I was like particularly attached to it. I know they went back and shot it like last year something. So it was fun. I don't know if it was necessarily like necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, what, what did you, what did you think of this epilogue? Uh, did, did you think it was necessary? Do you think it added value or was it just more kind of fluff? I don't think it was necessary. Part of it is I don't like Leto's take on the Joker. Uh, I feel that he is doing a very poor imitation of Heath Ledger's voice and cadence. And that bothers me so much. And I just don't like that take. I just don't like it. And it was cool to see. I, I think if they had had that without Joker, I may have been okay with it. Uh, I think, I think a, um, I think a nightmare movie would be pretty awesome if it was done right. Um, but I don't think I would want Leto to be on, on team Batman, you know? Um, I, I could have, I could have done without it. It was, Marvel sort of has the corner on the the sort of post credits epilogue type thing where we're taking you to a different story. I I don't know if they if he needed to do it other than maybe like and I know I'm not using this in the anime way but like fan service in some sort of way to get people like talking about potential maybe set up for another movie but dear god it's going to be like 7 years before it comes out with as slow as these movies come out. They just, they don't have an overall plan like Marvel does. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think that's sort of where I live at because I don't, I like, I like the idea that it's teasing what would come next, but there's not an, at least at this point, as of today, Warner Brothers saying there isn't a next Zack Snyder movie. So it just, it feels weird. I kind of wonder if he put it in there, like you said, to sort of drum up excitement to help get him the goodwill from fans to make another one, or if he's just really putting it in there because he thought it belonged in the movie. I don't know. It's kind of too hard to tell. Um, But uh, yeah, Daniel, uh, before I I lay the rest of my thoughts out there, what did you think of the the epilogue? Yeah, it just felt like a a bit of a um, kind of a in, in in line with what Bobby was saying, it felt a little bit like a kitchen sink approach. Like it, it didn't like they all, a lot of those scenes in, in scenes in sequence, um, didn't, didn't feel, it just felt really rigid, like beyond the, the immediate like aftermath where you see a glimpse of, um, you know, wonder woman and cyborg rebuilding the, the, I'm pretty sure that happened in the epilogue. Yeah. He rebuilds the, the, uh, recorder and and listens yeah. to his dad's final words and effectively his final words and, and things like that. Like that, that's all kind of fine. Um, but it, it definitely feels like he just kind of threw all of these like possible, like basically like three different alternate endings. Um, maybe not alternate, but definitely extended endings that feel a little bit like each one could just individually be its own post credit scene mm-hmm. or something like that. Like what it would be in, and it didn't feel very, like it kind of sabotaged the film a little bit in a way, like the conclusion of the film that I otherwise thought was, was pretty strong. And um, yeah. And, and it's weird because it actually reverts back. So I noticed um, the ending sequence with Lex Luthor and uh, Deathstroke um, arriving at his yacht, uh, that particular scene. So I guess in the, in um, the 2017 film, they're like 
overtly talking about the Legion of Doom. Yeah, and that that actually is the post credits, and that's the post credits in scene the that. 2017 yeah. Justice League. Yeah, and and in this one, they're just kind of speaking about um, like mostly Batman, like really, and then they, he drops his like you know his secret identity, and um, yeah, it, it just it it's a little um bizarre to go from that and then to the nightmare sequence where he's i guess it kind of creates a bit of a dichotomy where it's like oh you you were just talking about deathstroke as a potential nemesis and now here he is as an ally in this post-apocalyptic world where everything's been turned on its head and then to conclude with like i'm the martian manhunter and i'm really important i uh yeah deceived lois into (laughs) which again just doesn't like why it was just by the way, like, that, that actor didn't know by the way the actor did not know he was playing martian manhunter until the reshoots i just want to i just think that's again it, i question whether or not Zack snyder actually always planned for him to be martian yeah. manhunter or whether he just is like hey you know what would get people really intrigued is if we work the martian man this other guy who looks kind of vaguely like the martian manhunter sort of what if he was the martian manhunter well that yeah and that's the thing it's like it it, it that like most of the epilogue did feel like things that were just added to just like here's more content which is okay like i it's fine um but but how it helps the film itself like very much i, I don't know if it does it almost works against it it just felt like he was like here is the the potential endings and things we have that you know might as well fill in the scene but it didn't feel very congruent and and that that was a little disappointing uh, but I would be lying if I didn't say I was intrigued. Like I'm definitely intrigued by the the nightmare sequence, and I like the idea. Maybe just because I'm a fan of the 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 video game Injustice. Oh my gosh! Kind of yes. Spurred. Yeah, it's kind of spurred by like the yeah. that, basically that Superman and uh, the 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 vengeful God. And I uh, yeah, so that's interesting. That'd be interesting to 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 see in film. But um, I, I just don't know how well it worked for for this particular movie, but. I'd be lying if I didn't say it was a little intriguing, at least. I like the idea, again, in in a theoretical world where he gets the five-movie arc that he says he wanted. I do like the idea that they're sort of planting these little dream sequences in for Bruce to sort of set up the the larger narrative that's going to unfold. And there even is a little – there was a little flash (laughs) – no pun intended – you know, whenever – there was a little sequence right before they resurrected Superman – where like cyborg saw a bunch of future events that had included little snippets from the nightmare world that were pretty cool. So I find all that really intriguing. Honestly, if they just would have like cut the entire uh, Joker scene, I probably would have been okay because I'm yeah. with, Bo- here's the thing. I actually, when we, when suicide squad came out, I decided not to lay a verdict on Leto's Joker because I didn't feel like he was in it enough for me to actually like have an opinion. Cause he's really not in it very much. And, uh, this, this second round here for me is only evidence that he's a very, very bad joker <laughs> because, cause like Bobby said, it's a very uninspired. It just feels like he's trying really hard to riff on Heath Ledger's joker. Whereas, you know, previously Jack Nicholson had a very distinct take on the joker. You yeah. He's got a very distinct take on it. Heath Ledger is very distinct. And then you just have Jared Leto who looks like he's trying to be Heath Ledger and it feels that way so bad and then the writing for the monologue was also terrible that i was like why is he t- what's the po- literally what is the point of this thing well and then and yeah and then the 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 subsequent <laughs> like the actual exchange i guess between him and batman like batman just walks over i, I can't remember he says something about like he basically just it, like it brings the quality of the ben affleck batman which is actually kind of okay like not a bad batman better than uh, a lot of them i think um, it, it brings his quality down because then you have him just like, oh, and Harley Quinn was dying in my arms and bled out. 
I'm gonna fucking kill you, like something like that. I just rolled my eye. my eyes went to the back of my head when I heard that. I'm like, this is so uh, like I, I don't know. I just, it's just it's like that thing. It's the whole fuck Batman Titans thing or the the fuck the world the, the, like that. Like they like it just like got the 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 worst Snyder sin of just not knowing when to pump the brakes on your characters when they go to a dark place emotionally a little bit. Like it just, it's like that was just there in the epilogue and, and yeah, I'm going to, let's blame Jared Leto's Joker for that because I, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, cause like the rest of that scene, I I felt like I was fine. Okay. No, it's not that bad. We're all out here. uh, We're all here in this desert nightmare world. Superman's watching us and we're trying to figure out what to do next. And boom, Superman shows up, but then we have to, Stop and talk about Joker for five minutes, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, so it sounds like uh, overall, I would say epilogue net negative on the movie because it did leave kind of a bad taste in your mouth. Two reasons: it left a bad taste in my mouth because I think like it was objectively pretty bad, uh, like just at least the Joker part, uh, and then also the fact that in the end, the Martian Manhunter felt shoehorned in, just like, oh, it, and yeah. it wasn't really meaningful. And, and then lastly, like uh, we don't even know if we're ever going to get a follow up, so it's just I don't know. It just it's weird. It's it's very strange. So I guess that's going to leave the question here. And I, I, one more question for me, and then I'm going to leave the table open for anything we didn't get to cover because we've been talking uh, about a lot of different things um, for the last hour and a half or so. What do you guys actually want to see happen next? This is very subjective because we never thought we'd see a Snyder cut, and yet here it is. So theoretically, anything's possible. But as of this recording, Warner Brothers says no more Zack Snyder. Um, so Chelsea, I'll start with you. What do you want to see happen next? Infinite possibilities. It could be like a crisis of infinite possibilities. I want to really. see Warner Brothers learn from their own lesson here. Like, clearly, Zach has a vision. It's a vision that is not bad by the fact that we're all coming from it from four very different angles and, like, actually kind of enjoyed the movie and are probably enjoying the arc as a whole when you take it as a whole. So... Like, give the man an eight-episode miniseries and let him do his two movies in that. Or give him the money and do two movies. I don't know. Just let him finish the arc. Because I think a lot of the things we do talk about, which is, like, the 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 tone, it's the coloring, it's all these things. Zach has, like, Steiner has already said that it's only up from here in terms of tone and humor and things like that. So I think that we may even see a progression within the arc as we're like, you know, we're teeing off this dark side and, you know, we're, we're, we're facing off against him. I think we're going to see some of these things like lighten up to where we are going to be getting into like the kind of the more familiar territory of not, maybe not quite like super friends grade, you know, happy go lucky justice league, but some place where as a whole, we're more comfortable with the characters because we recognize them more. We're thinking that maybe we get a more positive version Wait, once we once we solve the anti-life equation, then then Superman will be bright, sunny and inspiring. Chelsea just proposed and I don't know if intentionally, but just mentioned something that that I feel like would be an incredible idea. We should petition for the 2017 Justice League to just be called the Super Friends. And then this can be <laughs> the actual Justice League. And and that's how we distinguish. I do, them. I but, do remember uh, making that argument uh, like in. In my review of Justice League, I think I did it with Oklahoma Film Critics Circle. Yeah. Where I was like, they literally hired Josh Whedon to make this movie Super Friends. That's what they did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
Um, I'm not going to belabor it. The one thing that I think he did really well in that movie was he actually made me believe Superman was Superman. (laughs) So the only thing I think that movie did right was I was like, oh, Superman, he's got a sense of humor and he's being heroic and stuff. And that was about that was about it. That's I give that movie one star, one and a half stars in Letterboxd, and the one star was for Superman. The other half star was for the J.K. Simmons cameo, which was also in the Zack Snyder's Justice League. So you know, um, Bobby, uh, what what do you think? What what do you want to see next? I would love to. I would. I mean, with streaming now and and the opportunity to do different things, like finish out the finish out the storyline at least for Justice League, like. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? I mean, I, I don't, who knows what kind of coin it could be, but like, could you imagine like a 10 episode run of, um, the nightmare? Like the HBO max would just bank so hard. It would be like the perfect sort of foil to Disney plus. Like we drop it on Fridays against Mandalorian. That would be amazing. Do you want to watch your family friendly uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or do you want to see how Batman's going to kill the Joker? I'll watch them both. <laughs> how he's going to fucking kill the Joker, <laughs> as he put it. Uh, no, no, I see what you're saying though. I, I, you know, Bobby, I think you're right. This I hadn't even considered it, but but I mean, here's the reality: we live in a world where you don't like a Star Wars movie, just wait two more years, or yeah. heck, just wait until the next season, The Mandalorian comes out. You don't like Thor the Dark World? It's okay. Ragnarok's like three years away. And it it doesn't matter that there's another Batman, uh, you know, other Batmans coming out because that doesn't affect the the multiverse whatsoever. You can have separate takes on Batman and still do um, the nightmare world. It It would just be amazing. And DC's been doing that with their animated stuff for 15 years and making like the best quality of it. Yep. So like, why not just translate that to the, to the actors the like the, the person, the in-person actors, I suppose, not just animated. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, and even on the, and I haven't kept, I, I'll be honest is I've actually heard the DC television, live action television stuff is very good. I haven't kept yeah. any of it, but I mean, like I've heard the flash TV show is great. I heard green arrow was really, really strong. We've got a new Superman and Lois show that's out there that I've also heard is very good. So, I mean, yeah, no, Bobby, I think you're spot on. They're already doing it, so why not just throw? You know what? Just just throw the superheroes are still popular. Just throw a couple hundred million more dollars Zack Snyder's way. Give them a ten episode miniseries to wrap it up. Yeah, drop it on a drop it on, a, on like you said on a Friday. I can get behind that. Yeah, would be awesome. And then everyone wins. Exactly. Every, everyone can get their Zack Snyder fix. They can finish the story. He can finish the story he was telling. Uh, we can then see people who didn't like the Zack Snyder stuff can watch different versions, hopefully brighter versions, but you know, different versions of those, those characters. Uh, no, I, I, I'm pretty compelled by Bobby's case. I, I wasn't going to go that far, but I think you're spot on. Why can't, why can't we all just win? We live in capitalist society and there's clearly enough people who want both versions. So like, come on, we demand it Warner brothers. But I think that also ties into what Chelsea was saying, which is maybe Warner brothers executives just need to have a plan like just a plan that makes some sort of sense because i still think that despite everything they are literally just still throwing whatever at the wall and seeing what sticks which is kind of bizarre when you think about the fact that warner brothers has unlike marvel has always owned all of the dc characters they never had to go through and reclaim any of them 
it, they don't they don't know what like I don't think the executives at Warner Brothers actually understand any of this stuff. Is all I'm saying. Uh, that sounds really harsh, but like if you, I mean, you can go all the way back. Joshua and Unruh and I talk about this on an animated discussion. I know shameless plug, but like there's a lot of times where you're like, I don't think the, they actually understood what they were doing here. Uh, I think they just gave the, the, they just gave the reins of these really popular characters to people who did know what they were doing. And it just happened to be popular and was working. So they kept giving them more free reign. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, uh, Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm going to get to you here in a second. Oh no, it's okay. But I just, I have a soapbox, which is at the end of the day, I think Warner brothers, it's all, this is all Warner brothers fault. This whole thing, this whole thing is Warner brothers executives fault. If they were going to, if Zach, if Zach Snyder was the guy they picked to direct their justice league movie, they should have stuck with him. Uh, they should have stuck with him and backed his vision and let him do his thing. And if justice league didn't perform, that's when you, you swap it up, you bring in someone different, you change direction. But wait, what we have right now is like they put so much stock behind him, but then tried to like take him out of it and really it's pulled the steam out of the whole like multiverse they were building. Now there's actually no clear plan. Like, oh my gosh. There's yeah. no, I mean, the, the, like honestly, the only hope they have of making any of this make sense is the, the flashpoint paradox, which I think that's a very big thing to put on a flash movie. So all I'm saying is Warner Brothers, get your shit together, please. Would be appropriate. <laughs> I mean, flash did kind of save everyone in this film it's a true. little bit so. he did he did okay why Daniel. not save the whole break the fourth wall and like, literally save the franchise as well I, I'm, uh, I'm off my soapbox daniel what do you want to see next, no so? it's okay no okay i alluded to her earlier and uh this is the this is not um maybe a really good reason to want to see more of these films but uh granny goodness <laughs> shows up she she's there behind dark side uh, so live action, granny goodness spinoff, <laughs> maybe not a spinoff, but at least, at least in the, the I, I want to see again, uh, be it another film or, or Bobby's notion of like a, a, a mini series, which I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think they would be remiss to not expand this a bit. I, I, I just love the, the story, the flashpoint paradox so much. So of course I'm going to continue to say that's what I'm excited about, but, but hearing Bobby described like the nightmare and actually <laughs> that in detail um, and seeing that expanded upon again, I, I, I think it would make less sense for them not to do something with this. And yeah, Warner brothers is saying no more Snyder universe, but the, the, the cynic in me thinks that's like them saying like, you know, we're not good. We're not going to have this anymore. And then people are going to like, you well, know, they also gonna... said there wasn't a Snyder cut either. No, so. exactly. Like, uh, like they're going to like say, Oh, we're not going to do this anymore. And then, yeah, people will get excited and be vocal. And yes, it will take forever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I am excited, but I, I would say like flashpoint want to see granny goodness, just have one fight scene. That's all I want. One she can she can lose immediately. I don't care. Uh, hopefully, Wonder Woman's the well. No, not necessarily. Well, you know, in the uh, the DC animated universe from the Superman the animated series, Granny Goodness is instrumental in turning Superman against Earth. Yeah. So you know, there's a role they played there. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I did want to give everyone a chance to weigh in with their final word here because I feel like we we talked about a lot of different things. We might have chased a couple rabbits, a couple, but you know, there's still a lot more that could be said about this film overall. And just the idea of Snyder and that whole universe. Bobby, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up with you. Any final word, anything in particular that you didn't get to talk about? You mentioned something about Batman earlier, and I love hearing your Batman opinions. So if, you, <laughs> if you've got a chance, if, if you have anything you want to say about Zack Snyder's Justice League, now's the time. 
I, I, I think I've said enough tonight. Uh, if, if someone's, if someone's still on the fence about watching it and they've sat through all of this and listened to it, then just like watch it already. Um, I may give it a second viewing. Uh, but yeah, it was infinitely better than 2017. You know, one thing you could say about 2017 is they made a very forgettable movie. And at least this movie, I feel like people are going to remember and talk about whether or not you think it's good or not. It's different. But you know what? It's memorable. Uh, Chelsea, uh, what's what's your final word? Um, my final word is restore the Snyderverse. That's it. Because I'm not ready to give up Henry. Don't don't take Henry from me yet. That's all I'm asking. Dude, for real, though. That's my thirsty comment for the podcast. That's it. That's all. Hello. <laughs> We didn't even really talk about Henry Cavill and how I feel like I still want him to play Superman. <laughs> we have very different uh, motivations, but I agree with you, Caleb. Does he? Those motivations aren't aren't as far apart as you might think. All right. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. uh, all right. Restore the Snyder uh, verse. Chelsea's last word. Daniel, what, what is your final word? Um. Yeah. No, I, I agree with I, I agree with Chelsea. I think these these films do deserve to be uh, continued. And um, if not for for just because the the stories are at least compelling, the threads they lead, um, yeah, Henry Cavill is a pretty attractive man. So, yeah. you know, he's no, he's not not in the way. I mean, this isn't. Did you see the way he walked out of the water in Man of Steel, Daniel? Yeah, I did. But I also saw the way he bathed in The Witcher, and <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I think that might I don't know whatever. This is in a lot of ways the one like thing I think. I appreciate about Snyder as, as pretentious sometimes as he comes off um, in a lot of ways. I, he is making films for people who kind of love movies and love like that experience. Mm. And honestly, when I was watching it more so than maybe a lot of other superhero films, I did feel a little bit more, more lost in that kind of, you know, a bit of the like childlike whimsy. And I, and I, I don't understand why people need to get so like grossly, uh, combative i mean i get it if you care about something a lot a little bit but like it's just it's just superhero films and and at the end of the day they're meant to just be enjoyed and and hopefully chewed on a little bit and i think i think this one does have some meaningful pieces to chew on i want i wonder if uh his netflix release army of the dead coming out next month will also follow his uh his vision as a director with the four by three when it hits netflix i'm 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 very curious i don't even Uh, know about that what's that what's what's army it's oh it's well We'll save for the okay, podcast. Sorry. He's got a new zombie movie coming out on Netflix next month. Oh, yeah, yeah this will be the one starring Dave Batista. Uh, okay, so uh, two two final words for me. Uh, I, I will keep it short. One, uh, I, Daniel, I, I do really appreciate that you mentioned that Zack Snyder is definitely a director who is telling stories and making movies for people who love movies. And I do think he has a unique voice. And after really reviewing the past films, the director's cuts of his past films in this film, I do feel like he has a very distinct vision that he's driving in story that he's really compelled to tell. I think that's really beautiful. It's not really a creative. He doesn't make creative choices. I like mm-hmm. so much, but I appreciate that he's doing that. And, uh, you know, I, if I was a betting man, Martin Scorsese, if he was going to pick one that was quote unquote closer to cinema, I bet he would say Zack Snyder's justice league over a Marvel film, because I, I think that what drives Zack Snyder as a filmmaker is a lot different than what drives like Kevin Feige, for example, they both love superheroes. They both both love films, but they are very different goals they're trying to achieve with the way they're telling superhero stories. So that's part one. The other thing I want to say is, and I, I didn't want to spend too much time here, and we're we're, at, and we're frankly we're out of time. Uh, but 
in a world where we can have multiple versions of these characters out there, like Bobby was uh, kind of presenting, um, I am way more okay with Zack Snyder having his version because I think, you know, like I said, if, Earlier, you know, there's if you don't like one version of Superman, there's another one coming around the corner. There's different options to choose from. I much more appreciate that. So if we are able to get a new Superman, like perhaps uh, the new one being produced by J.J. Abrams and written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. I don't know. We might be getting a black Superman very soon. That's incredible. I really, really want that. We've got Robert Pattinson, who's going to be in a Batman movie, not uh, roughly about the same time period that both Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are going to appear in a Flashpoint Paradox movie. So I really excited that we are entering this era where there are multiple versions of the superheroes, because I think that way everyone can sort of like it, like not every representation of a superhero is like, this is the only one you get for your entire generation. You know, like it's, there's more options to choose from. It's more palatable and it takes the pressure off of, you know, uh, Zack Snyder to de- to deliver the definitive Justice League movie and whatnot. So I'll leave it with that. Just the the future of DC superhero films, if Warner Brothers can come up with some sort of a plan, I think is very bright. All of that said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have time for today. Um, I want to give everyone on the table a chance to, to plug uh, anything in particular that they want to talk about. Um, so Chelsea, where can people keep up with you or all the things you're doing either on the, on the web or IRL these days? Yeah. Um, so you can find my thoughts on film at geekgirlfeatures.com, or you can follow me on Twitter for all sorts of nonsensical thoughts that range from movies to politics to God only knows what thought I was having in the moment, um, at cinephile Chelsea. Um, so that's on Twitter. So come, come follow, come, come chat. Daniel Bokemper, where can people keep up with you and your work? Yeah, you can find, I'm about to put out some, uh, more, uh, creative fiction on bokemper.com. Uh, just spell it the best you can. You'll, you'll get there. Um, but also, uh, Daniel underscore Bokemper on Twitter and, uh, broken underscore dandy on Instagram. Uh, and again, find me at the cinema, uh, this, not the cinema schematic. I guess I'm on some of the cinematic schematic like this one, but also, uh, the Cinematropolis writing there, uh, Oklahoma Gazette, uh, world literature today. I have a review of, um, David Dubop's, uh, all blood is black at night at night. All blood is black. Uh, it's a, uh, a, um, a, um, interesting, uh, piece of a translated African literature about world war one and should be in the current issue of world literature today, if not the one that comes out this month. So maybe by the time this is out, it'll be available for reading, but uh, yeah, otherwise primarily the cinema uh, tropolis. I think you'll find a lot of my content there. Sweet. And Bobby Griffith, how about you? Oh gosh. Um, I hardly tweet anymore, which is sad, but uh, Bobby underscore Griffith on Twitter. Um, I've been getting into TikTok and making like the uh, the uh, the 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 dad cooking videos sort of thing, and oh went God. viral like it's... like went viral once. Like, let me show you how to make this. Um, so that is oh gosh, what's my TikTok? BG stuff S T U F F. I don't even know why I picked that, but TikTok has just been more interesting. Um, maybe I don't want to get old. I don't know. So, hey, yeah. let's be real, Bobby. Twitter's turned into not the best social media platform on the planet anymore. I, I'm so, sort of over it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, TikTok might be where the fun's at from what I'm hearing from the kids these days <laughs> and Bobby Griffith. Uh, all right. Uh, and, and clearly while I have a, well, I do have a TikTok. I've, I've used it maybe twice. So you can find me on the cesspool part of the internet known as Twitter. Uh, C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk tweeting about uh, films, television, and video games. Um, I, if you know, if you're, if you, if you're not a subscriber, uh, to the cinematic schematic, I highly encourage you to go and check out. We're in the middle of a special interview series called three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic. So each and every Monday I drop an interview. We're aiming to get 10 of these guys out. We just dropped number seven. Uh, this most recent episode was with Harold story of the tunes, tunes podcast. Long time listeners are probably familiar with, uh, his collaborations with the, the cinematic schematic. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Bobby, uh, Chelsea, Daniel, I appreciate you guys uh, waiting to sit down to talk about this four hour long movie for two hours. It was a real pleasure to see all of you. Um, many of you I haven't seen in, in a while. So this has been, been a pleasant talk. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll catch you again next time. <laughs>